Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to this week's episode where I welcome back Dr. Shivani Patel. She is a board-certified pediatric dermatologist on Instagram as PedsDermDoc. And she's joining me to talk about hemangiomas today. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Patel. Thank you for having me back. Well, you were on my episode about eczema, episode 79, and it was such a great Mm -hmm. conversation. So I'm so glad that you could come back on the podcast to talk about a topic that I also get a lot of questions about. And as general pediatricians, although we diagnose and can talk to families about hemangiomas, we're not the ones doing the heavy management if a child needs um, any intervention. So I'm so glad we could talk together about hemangiomas in general, what the management is, if there is therapy that's needed. So thank you again. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. I think this is a really good topic to go over and it, it's very common. So it's nice to sort of have that information out there. And tell me a bit more about yourself and why you chose to be a pediatric dermatologist. Yeah, so um, I am, like you said, pediatric dermatologist. Um, We are a special group of dermatologists where we completed a residency in dermatology and then do a one-year fellowship where we really focus just on dermatologic needs of pediatric patients. And it's an area that I really enjoy doing because I just um, enjoy communicating with the whole family, sort of getting to know the whole family unit, um, taking care of a child, answering the questions of parents who you know are maybe nervous or anxious about a diagnosis and being able to sort of guide them to the right treatment. And like I said, I'm just so glad that we connected on social media. Um, if you have not already, you have to listen to episode 79 about eczema. We really get into so much information. Even if your child doesn't have eczema, it is just such good education. And I know this is going to be a great conversation as well. And we're talking about hemangiomas. Um, many people listening may not know what a hemangioma is. Um, so do you mind explaining what it is? What, you know, describe maybe, I know it's a podcast, but what it would look like? Sure. Um, so hemangioma has a couple different names. So I, you can either hear it as an infantile hemangioma, a hemangioma, or even a strawberry birthmark because they kind of mm-hmm. look like little strawberries on the skin. Um, and these are birthmarks composed of blood vessels that are just on the surface of the skin. And um, they're very, very common. Like I said, they happen in about one in 20 infants. So very common. And they form when blood vessels multiply more than they should. And they usually look like a red bump on your baby's skin. Um, But some hemangiomas can actually look a little more blue or purple, and then even some can be a little bit skin colored. 
And the way that you can sort of know the difference and why there's different colors is um, there's three different types of hemangiomas. You have either a superficial type, a mixed type, or a deep type. And my mentor taught me this amazing analogy that I like to use with families. And so what I'll have you do is just imagine an iceberg in the ocean. And you can either see the entire iceberg on the surface of the water, you can either see some of it on the surface and part of it underneath, or the entire iceberg that's underneath the ocean. And that is exactly how we classify hemangiomas. So the superficial types, those are like those icebergs that are all on the surface of the water. So they are right on the surface of the skin. They're bright red. um, And they usually have this sort of, again, strawberry or or bright look to them. Mixed hemangiomas, those are like those icebergs where you have parts that are under the water and over the water. So some of it is a little bit on the surface of skin, a little bit is deeper. And so because of that, they tend to look more purple or blue instead of that bright red. And then you have deep hemangiomas, and those are like those icebergs that are fully under the water. So really none of it is on that surface of the skin. It's all very deep. And so the color doesn't really radiate to the skin. So they can actually look more like your child's skin color, but just look more like a bump. Oh, I love that analogy. Don't you love when you have a mentor that teaches you something that carries with you for the rest of your mm-hmm. career and you never, you'll never forget it. You'll always be able to explain it back to someone else. So that is awesome. I haven't heard that one. And I just think it's such a great way to describe it. And how young can we see hemangiomas in children? Because sometimes, obviously, they're at birth. So um, when can they develop? Does it just vary? What is the timing of it? Yeah, so most um, hemangiomas will actually appear after two to three weeks of life. Very rarely, they'll be present at birth. But most of the time, the majority, they won't be there at birth. And then parents will notice it after you brought your baby home. And then a few weeks later, you start to notice this sort of red dot or maybe like a blue purple tone to a part of the skin. And that's when they start to be noticed. And what happens after that point is um, they kind of follow the same course most of the time where they have what's called a growth phase up until about five months of age. And that is when that hemangioma starts to grow. And so it looks like it did when you first notice it, and then it starts to double in size or get wider or get more bright red or start to change in its shape or appearance. Um, by age three, most hemangiomas have reached about 80% of their size. So it happens very quickly in the newborn period. Mm-hmm. And then after those first five months, they stabilize. So they don't really change much. They kind of just stay like they are. And then starting around your baby's first birthday, you may start to see them shrink. So they'll start to get smaller. They'll start to get a little more gray, which means they're starting to go away. And then you'll start to see them sort of resort back. And so most of that shrinking happens by your child's fourth birthday. And so even though we counsel parents that, oh, they go away 100% of the time, they actually don't. They um, Nearly half of the time, they can leave a little bit of scar tissue or extra fat tissue or some blood vessels on the skin. But majority of the time, it's very subtle. So usually they don't even know they've had one unless their parent points it out to them. And this is why we don't see a lot of adults walking around on the streets with hemangiomas because, you know, if one in 20 kids have it, you'd expect more of us to sort of see them. But most Mm -hmm. of the time they go away. And even if they do leave something behind, it's so subtle that it tends to not be something that people even notice or, or need treatment for. And knowing that so many of them do go away on their own, what is the general management for them? Um, when do they you know, need to be referred to a dermatologist? Is it also something like personal preference for the parent? Or are there certain things about the hemangioma that would need a referral? Yeah, sometimes there is a personal preference. I know some parents just want that sort of second opinion and just sort of um, mm-hmm. make sure somebody else lays eyes on it, which I think is very reasonable. But in the majority of cases, um, hemangiomas don't really need treatment and they tend to not be referred. So we don't even see the majority of them, I think, in our clinics because they can be managed and just watched by um, your child's pediatrician. 
And hemangiomas that are usually very small, you know, less than one or two centimeters um, that are on non-cosmetic areas of the skin usually don't need treatment. And non-cosmetic areas are areas that usually aren't seen by others. And so they're easily hidden by clothing like the back or the chest or the upper thighs, the abdomen. That's the majority of our body surface area. So most of them that occur in those areas, they really don't need treatment because even if it does leave something behind, a little bit of residual tissue, it's going to be covered by clothing the majority of your life that people aren't really going to see it. We tend to just watch those and, and see how they go away on their own. Um, but they tend to need referral when they're in cosmetically sensitive areas or areas that can impact function. So areas like the face, for example, or if you have a hemangioma that goes down an entire arm that could impact movement or grip. Um, a hemangioma that is, for example, on the lip, um, where the infant now has an issue with latching or feeding. Um, and a hemangioma on the eyelid that can sort of droop the eyelid and then cause the child to have lazy eye. These are some of the areas where they absolutely need that referral. And so hemangiomas like this that, again, are in those cosmetically sensitive areas or areas that could impair the function of that body part are the ones that tend to get referred to us and the ones that need treatment. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball. Let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC. That's P-E-D-S-D-O-C. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs 
policies and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And in terms of therapy options or treatment, so just say it is in a cosmetic area, you know, what are some options for treatment? I know um, this is a rarity that it can happen, but I would love if you can kind of go over like the main popular ones. Yeah. So um, the absolute standard um, first line now in these sort of cosmetically sensitive areas is a medication called propranolol. This medicine was actually FDA approved in 2014, and we've been using it ever since. And it's kind of tossed everything else out to the side because it works so incredibly well. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's an oral medicine that it's a liquid that you give to your child twice a day. And parents can notice rapid shrinking even within the first few days after starting the medicine. Um, So it works extremely quickly. And we usually continue it until usually about the first birthday. And then case by case basis, we can sort of sort of start to take the baby off the medicine or maybe leave them on a little bit longer if we feel like they could use a little bit extra of it. And this um, medicine is actually a blood pressure medication for infants who are born with high blood pressure. And so there is a risk that it could lower blood pressure or lower the heart rate, but we do use this medicine in much lower doses than what is used to control blood pressure. So the risk is is very low. We do still monitor heart rate and blood pressure during the treatment just to be extra safe, but it's very rare that um, something like that would happen. And then the other side effect that we often counsel families on is low blood sugar. Um, And this usually only happens in small babies who are less than five weeks old. But as long as you're giving the medicine with feeds, again, the risk is very low. So we always say give it medication with feeds, make sure you're feeding at the same time, and that helps negate that risk as well. Um, Now, propranolol isn't necessary for all cases. Um, In some, there is a a treatment option called timolol, which is actually the topical version of propranolol that you can apply directly onto the hemangiomas surface. So you don't have to take the medication by mouth. And it's nice because it doesn't have the side effects with the low blood pressure or the low heart rate or the low blood sugar um, because it's only topically applied. And it's really only dryness or some skin um, irritation that you may see from it, but it doesn't work as well. So we won't use this in cases that really can impair function and emergent cases. But if there's one on a case-by-case basis, maybe a larger one on the back or something that's maybe a little bit bigger on the chest, sometimes we'll use Timolol instead um, and see if that helps. And then if not, we can always go to the oral medication if we need to. This episode is brought to you by the New Mom Survival Guide, an online digital course and community brought to you by me, Dr. Mona Amin. Join me as I guide you through your first year of motherhood. This course is not just a how-to for your baby, but a how do you get through those ups and downs of motherhood. From my experience as a board-certified pediatrician and mom, I share the foundations of parenting, newborn feeding, sleep, introduction to solids, infant behavior and development, and so much more. I educate and empower you so that you can be the best mother for your baby. Visit PeasDocTalk.com for more information and to sign up today.
Sometimes we'll use laser therapy or surgical removal. These were done a lot more often before propranolol was around. And we still use them for hemangiomas, but we tend to wait because most of them go away on their own. We don't want to put a child through surgery and leave them with a scar or put them through laser if it's going to just resolve on its own. So we'll often wait till their elementary school age. And at that point, if a lot of it hasn't gone away, then we know it probably won't by then. And then they could be a good candidate for that too. Um, but the main thing to really know about these treatments, and especially the propranolol, is that it is so critical that the babies are seen as early as they can, usually within the first two to three months of life. Um, treatment usually works best when it started early. Um, and like I mentioned, that rapid growth phase is really what you're trying to stop. So if that hemangioma has already grown and it's already you know, destroyed the nasal cartilage or destroyed the eyelid, and then we try to start the medicine, it's already done the damage and it's very hard to reverse it. So I always encourage pediatricians in the area as well, send them early, even if you're not sure, it's better to just be safe and sort of get them in right away. Because if we can start treatment, starting early has the best chance to make them stop growing and make them go away faster. And is there any time when hemangiomas become medically concerning? I know we're talking about, you know, cosmetic, which I think is really important that people hear that doing something for cosmetic reasons is okay. I think there's also some families sometimes like, well, if it's cosmetic, I'm like, no, like this is something that there's options for. I don't want us to feel bad about wanting to do something for cosmetic reasons. I mean, it's important to recognize that this is something that we should, we can do. And it's, it can really be beneficial. But is there any time that a hemangioma, meaning like on the location of the body, number of hemangiomas, et cetera, can be medically concerning? Yeah. So um, I, th I agree with that whole cosmetic point you brought up as well. Just, um, you know, just to kind of reiterate that, I think a lot of parents sometimes feel guilty, but, um, you know, kids are mean, kids do tease, kids ask yeah. questions, and it is nice to have an option um, for your child, you know, thinking, what are they going to feel like when they're 15 or 20 or 30? you know, and their nose isn't symmetrical anymore, or, you know, they have a bump in their lip or a bump on their eye. So those are things that we often have to consider. Um, and then, of course, when it's medically life-threatening, it's really no option but the propranolol, and we really have to do it. Um, and those are cases, for example, like hemangiomas that occur along the jawline or the chin. Um, and it's what we call the beard distribution. So a hemangioma that occurs sort of in the beard area they can extend into the airway and actually hemorrhage or obstruct the airway. So that is an absolute sort of life-threatening emergency. We have to have them coordinated with the pediatric ENT or otolaryngology doctor. They have to scope the child, make sure that they don't see any hemangioma there. And if there is a hemangioma, it needs propranolol right away. And then um, even though hemangiomas on the eye are cosmetic, they can actually be medically concerning because you can truly lose vision in a full eye if you don't have it treated. And I, I've seen that in cases where it ha just didn't get treated early enough, where it just gets to the point where it can totally sort of drop that lid down, um, impact vision in that eye, which can be really detrimental. And then um, hemangiomas on the face that are greater than five centimeters, they can have a risk of a syndrome called FACE, um, P-H-A-C-E. Mm -hmm. And this is where babies can actually have not only a hemangioma, but abnormal vessels in the brain and abnormal heart vessels. And so these babies need very urgent cardiac workup. Um, they need an MRI of the head and the neck. They need an ultrasound of the heart. Um, they need to have further workup to make sure that there's nothing else life-threatening medically or even in the brain that could cause other issues. And then lastly, like you were saying, the number of hemangiomas, um, if you have a baby with greater than five hemangiomas, there is a risk that you could have a hemangioma in the liver. And so these babies do need a liver ultrasound. 
And then if there is a large hemangioma in the liver, oftentimes propranolol can also be used in those cases to prevent hemorrhage or something into the liver as well. This was such good information. Again, I'm so happy that we were able to talk about this because one, about the misconception or that guilt when a family does want to get their hemangioma um, for their child um, therapy for it, they feel like, well, I don't want to. I think it's so important that we clear that up. And then I loved your iceberg, your um, iceberg analogy, just to kind of describe it. So helpful. And like we talked about, like, you know, as a general pediatrician, we diagnose a lot of them and I rarely have to refer. And what you mentioned is really when I do refer, like you said, certain locations, definitely immediate refer to ENT, like with, um, you know, obviously for anything um, related to the throat. And then also, uh, you know, if for cosmetic reasons, or if a family just wants to have that second opinion. So this was such a great episode. What would be your final message for everyone listening today? So hemangiomas are actually one of my favorite diagnoses, and I think it's because it's so gratifying to see how far we've come in treatment. Um, And we actually have a treatment now that works incredibly well. It's so safe and it's easy to dose. And this is really one of the few areas in dermatology where we have such an incredible option for treatment that is sustained and can make a huge impact on a baby's quality of life in the future. We used to have to treat these babies with large hemangiomas with chemotherapy, long-term steroids. They would get so many other problems. They would have so many side effects. And um, since 2014, having this option has been truly life-changing. And it's been a game changer in our field because we can now reassure families that we will be able to treat their hemangioma and give them an outcome that everybody's happy with. Oh, that's so great. And I love, you know, again, having you on here to hear about all the updates. I know this has been around relatively, I mean, in the last decade, I guess, but it's just so fun um, to know all the advancements that we've made to kind of help provide families and children um, a better quality of life. So thank you again for joining us, Dr. Patel. Remember everyone, you have to follow her at pedsdermdoc on Instagram. Listen to our episode about eczema, episode 79. And her Instagram has so much information. She is, um, you know, obviously talking all about skincare, um, anything that you have questions about. She's always um, posting, it seems like, things that are on your mind. So that's the sign of a good uh, educator on social media. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, PedsDocTalk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.